The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. What is up, my beautiful people? My name is Alex Alcazaz, a.k.a. the Bear of Texas, and this is Into the Net FC, the soccer talk discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as a result of the Nations League final, I know that you loyal listeners know that I am in a very good mood because the French national soccer team somehow, someway, managed to pull it off and beat Spain. I gotta be honest. I think some... (laughs) Okay... I'm sure that some of you are probably saying, okay, maybe now I deserve to be buried because I've been burying the, the French national team for like a few months now, ever since what happened at Euro 2020. I've obviously expressed my lack of trust and faith and confidence in Didier Deschamps. So, yeah, I definitely deserve a bit of burial. And quite frankly, my dad specifically called me out on this because I have been praising Kareem Benzema... But I, I know that some of you who've been listening to this show, I've said many on the show that the team was not needed of Benzema because of the whole omission thingy with the alleged blackmail scandal. And I was obviously defending Didier Deschamps' decision to keep him out of the team. I'm not gonna de- I'm not gonna deny it, folks. I did feel that way. But the truth of the matter is that Kareem Benzema gave me a reality check. In other words, he reminded me just how great he is, especially when it comes to international duty. Now, I never doubted that he was never good. I've always said Kareem Benzema is and always will be one of my favorite Real Madrid players of all time. And as dominant as he's always been for Real Madrid, especially this season, okay, he has been do- he had been doing good for the national team. And he kind of reminded me just how great he is for the Bleu. So like I said, Kareem Benzema gave me a reality check and quite frankly... He's making me eat my words, and I'll be honest, I'm proud that he's doing that. Because I doubted him, and I ne- and I said that he will never be back on the team, but he has been back, and he's been doing great. There's that. Now, keep, now look, I have said even though I, I have lost my religion with Didier Deschamps, he does deserve a bit of credit for, for helping France win the National... Uh, excuse me, for helping France win the Nations League... But I'm not going to go back on my word. I still believe that after two, after the 2022 World Cup, it's going to be time for a change. It's going to be time for a new leader. It's going to be time for big change, uh, big changes in management. So 
still hoping we need Zidane because we gotta keep the we gotta keep the momentum alive. But it's time for some new leadership. It's time for, some, for to go, go in a new direction to keep the successful form. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I just this final, you know, I honestly, I mean, I should be eating my words big time because I did doubt this French national team because when it comes to playing against Spain, France always has their work cut out for them. I mean, I can honestly say that, ladies and gentlemen, would be one hell of a major understatement. Because France does not really do well against Spain, at least not in the last 10 years or so. You know, as a matter of fact, I believe that this game was the first time France beat Spain in a competition match since the 2006 World Cup round of 16 when France pulled off a major upset and eliminated Spain three goals to one. When my boy Zinedine Zidane really had a great game in that game. That's where the magical knockout run started. Unfortunately, it had to end the way it did, but I don't want to get too deep into that. But man, you know, before this game, Spain had beaten France in the 2012 European uh, quarterfinals. And in the, in the World Cup qualification phase for the 2014 World Cup, Spain and France were in the same group. Spain picked up the win in France on the, on the road win, which was really painful. And God knows how many international exhibitions Spain has gotten the better of France. I mean, the bottom line is, since, what, since that game in 2006, Spain has dominated France and make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen this game I do not want to say that France won this game I mean yes the result says they did win but honestly I prefer to say that France survived this game yeah that's right survived let me explain to you why number one first things first Spain is on its way to being a hell of a national team again Spain has very young players, okay? They have very young and talented players. It is the beginning of a new era. It is the beginning of a new era of Spanish dominance in the sport of soccer. That being said, Spain is going to be a favorite in the, next, in the World Cup next year. And by 2026, Spain's definitely going to be one of the top favorites. I think that within the next five years or so, the next five, six the years, seven years, Spain's going to be one of the top powerhouses in Europe. Hopefully France still is on that category, but Spain is going to be better. Spain's going to be great again, so you better watch out because when Spain is at, the, at the, is at the top of this game, Spain is unstoppable. We saw how brilliant Spain was from 2008 to 2012, more specifically from 2010 to 2012. They winning the World Cup and then winning the European Championship, retaining it after they won it in 2008. So sp more specifically from 2008 to 2012, Spain was literally and i mean literally unstoppable they were impressive absolutely impressive and before i uh, and uh, as far as as this game goes you know when i say they survived because you see france had to make some changes france utilized three defenders okay now from this game there was a couple of changes luca hernandez did not start as a matter of fact presnel kipembe Took took over. He was basically President Kipembe was put in to replace Hernandez, and not only that, you know, Jules Conde also started. And I've been really been downing this guy. I mean, I don't have anything personal about Jules Conde. I just feel like you know, I I think I think the problem is he's just inexperienced, and the way he's getting his experience, it's 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 just being so brutal on him. But you know what? If he's learning, playing these brutal brutal games, then that's that's good for him. 
that's good because by the time he's at the top of his game, he's going to be tough and fearless. And that's what it was in this game. I mean, Shukun did, did play pretty freaking good. Although he did allegedly get away with a handball. I haven't... I've been trying to look all over Twitter for, for this evidence. I mean, I've seen pictures... But keep in mind, if he never moved his arm, if his arm was always that way and the ball hit hit his hit his arm, then that it's not always gonna constitute a handball. Now let's keep in mind, hey, the the VAR. I mean, it, it was it was actually reviewed, and some people are saying that the VAR is useless. Guys, let me remind you, it's not the fucking VAR. The VAR is the video assistant referee. The referee checks VAR, and at the end of the day, it's the referee's decision, okay? The VAR just gives you an assist, okay? Again, video assistant referee, it gives you the replay of what happened. So the referee makes the final decision. So it's not VAR that's useless, okay? If the referee makes the wrong decision, even though VAR clearly states what happened, that's on the fucking referee. You can't blame VAR for this. But anyway... I have to stick with the fact that Jude Kundi allegedly got away with the handball because, you know, again, the lack of evidence. I didn't see him, you know, move his arm or whatever it was. That's why I have to stick to he allegedly got away. So, that being said. But, from the beginning, Spain, honestly, like I said, when France survived, Spain dominated. And I mean absolutely dominated. Dominated ball possession was, you know, threatening, was really in control of the game. France was literally fighting for survival, okay? France was lucky that Spain could not cash in on these goal-scoring goal opportunities. Spain had several, but the, the French defense, just absolutely resilient. I mean, like I said, this French defense fought for survival. And the most difficult part is that shortly before the, ha the first half started... Rafael Varane, the most senior defender on, on the, uh, out of the defenders, suffered an injury. And by most senior, I mean he's the most experienced defender. So then we were, and then the Bayern Munich defender, Dayo Upemecano, came in. And I was actually pretty excited because I feel like he had been omitted. He, he was omitted from the, Europeans, from the European Championship, I believe. So it was good to have him back. And, he, and he's one of those dudes, you know, the France needs to further groom and develop for the future. So Dayo Upemecano comes in. And I tell you, as soon as that he's being told that he's coming in, he gets off his feet, he starts, you know, warming up, and he starts getting excited. I mean, you could just tell, like, you know what, this is my chance, I'm, I'm not going to fuck this up. And i got to be honest, Upe Mikado, I, be I believe it was, it was him that was at fault when Spain scored, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, at the end of the day, even if he was the player that the Spanish player was going against, it's, you can't just pinpoint it all on Dayo, because keep in mind, guys, it's a team effort. It's a team effort, so... I mean, Upe Meccano was probably at fault, but again, might as well, you know, you can't, can't just place all the blame on that guy. So, that being said. So, going back to the, the formations, you know, I, I keep kind of changing directions. So, Spain utilizing the four midfielders set and France having th three defenders, you know, that's just how brutal it was for, for this defense. But as I'm looking at the... Starting lineups right now, as I pull them up right here, see Spain went four defenders, three midfielders. Actually, okay, I was actually wrong. Okay, so it was it was three midfielders and and three strikers. Okay, but it was four defenders, so it was still brutal. Okay, and then Fra and it was actually France that had the four midfielders. 
Okay, so I'm glad I clarified myself. So I might have said that Spain had four midfielders, but no, it was actually three. But still, but for Spain, you know, for Spain to have four defenders and then three midfielders, I mean, that's a that's a freaking wall right there. So and France basically utilized the formation three by four by one by two. Okay, basically three defenders, four midfielders, one forward, and two strikers. Or I say. One forward and two strikers. Okay, Kareem Benzema and Kylian Mbappe were at the very front, and then Griezmann was kind of in the middle right there. You know, it, it was kind of a way to dissect. You know, because you know it was a way to just dissect that's the way that the Spanish formations. Because again, Spain was four defenders, three midfielders, and three forwards. So France needed a way to kind of dissect through it to create some penetration, to keep the passes alive, and to basically help create scoring chances. I guess in my case, okay, I'll admit, you know, you know, seeing David De Gea on the bench, I was like, okay, it's not too surprising, but I was a little surprised also that um, that Coque, the the Spanish midfielder, didn't start this game. I certainly would have expected him to, but before this game, there was actually uh, this there was talk that a, a Spanish forward Ferran Torres would not play this game because of a, an ankle injury that he supposedly had. But I said to myself, oh no. This dude, even if he's hurt, he's gonna insist to play because you know this is the final. So you know what? If he if if he if he can fight through the pain, he can play. If he's that confident, then you let him play. That being said, so so ap apologies for earlier. I, I kind of got the, the lineup lineups mixed up a little bit. It's just the way that Spain played. I, I was like, yeah, th th this has to be like a forward midfielder set. I mean, Spain is and always has been dominant in the midfield play. As, as a matter of fact, I always say. That throughout history, Spain and France have always been known for their dominance through the midfield position. Now, some might say, you know, basically, and as dominant as both Spain and France are in their history, the midfield position, they're both so unique in their own different way as far as midfield position goes. So, you know, that, that's why Spain and France, you know, just really the way they they catch the attentions with their midfield set, they do it their own way, they do it differently. It's it's incredible, absolutely incredible. So. So this particular game, so unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, you know, I remember within the first opening minutes, Kareem Benzema got so close to scoring after the Spanish goalkeeper took a risk. But, you know, the fact that we couldn't cash in, I mean, that was really frustrating. But basically the, the first half, you know, France was, you know, just having such a hard time maintaining ball possession. I mean, like I said, Spain dominated the ball possession and... Spain was kind of dribbling the ball around, you know, kind of trying to wear, in an attempt to wear out the French team. But France was like, France kind of knew, like, you know, we know what Spain is trying to do. Spain is trying to deliberately wear us out so they can take advantage. So France said, well, we're going to counter by not by not allowing them to do that. We're going to we're going to stick up to fitness. We're going to keep our energy up high. Okay, we're not going to let Spain give us the slip. Because again, Spain has always bested France within the last ten years. And France was, quite frankly, France was tired of it. Okay. So after a hard-fought, solid first half by both teams, the, the score was 0-0 apiece. But I told myself, look, France is certainly surviving, but Spain has the advantage because Spain is threatening more and, and they're in control, and that's just what Spain needs, okay? So it's basically a matter, is France going to let up, is going gonna, is gonna to give up, and then Spain takes advantage, but France just would not give up. So... Anyway, you know, and, and something special about this game is I want to take a little moment to, to talk about Antoine Griezmann. This game, this particular game, was his 100th cap. 
his 100th cap. Okay. And unfortunately for Griezmann in this game, in the game against Belgium, he did, he did not score, but he did do his best. You know, and, that, and that's all that matters to me. He, he did his best, so I'm grateful. But, you know, for Griezmann, his 100th cap, and he wins a title on that, I mean, that is something huge. Absolutely huge. So, anyway. <clears throat> yeah, but looking at this game, also, you know, I've got some, uh, some of my notes here. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought for a second, but uh, anyway. So, at the beginning of the second half, I'm like, you know, the next 45 minutes are, are going to be crucial. Because yeah, I told myself, if this game, if if regulation ends with a 0-0 draw, all the advantage goes to Spain. Okay, because France does not do well in extra time. And if this game had to go to a penalty shootout, you know, you know I'm going to let you folks on a, on a little something. I promise, and I do mean, I promise. You know what? No, 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 no. I did more than promise. I swore to myself on my grandfather's grave, if this game goes into a fucking penalty shootout, I will turn off the TV, I will not watch it, because I do not like penalty shootouts, especially when my team is in it. I am not a fan of the fucking penalty shootouts, because in my case, specifically with France, penalty shootouts have not been pleasant with them lately. In other words, it did not end up going their way. Okay, so that being said, when France is France has no choice but to go into a penalty shootout, I'm like, forget it. It's not going to work out because France just does not handle that pressure so well. It's it's crazy. I mean, I, it might be fucking insane. I might be overreacting on my end, but the bottom line is, whether it's France or any of the clubs that I support, if they go into a penalty shootout, that's where I really go to nervous. So that's where I really just get scared. <laughs> Because the penalty shootout is just under so much pressure, and and it, it's heartbreaking for for whoever just whoever comes up short. It, it it's unbelievable. But thankfully, that did not happen. And yes, I do mean thankfully, big time. So anyway, so we hit the thirty minute mark, and I noticed the game has heavily intensified, and I mean big time. Absolutely big time. France is driving down the field, and it looks as though France has a chance to score. The ball is set, but it hits the upright and it hits the ground. And then some French players actually believe that the, that it was a goal. But then after seeing the replay, no, that's unfortunate. That's not a goal. Well, they didn't actually saw the replay till after the game, so I was not I was not too sure. But I said to myself, "Look, fine, but keep playing, okay? Keep the ball away from our goalkeeper. Keep it, but ball possession." Okay, but then as, as soon as that happens, okay, so the ball hits the upright and, and then it, it, it goes out for a throw-in, for a Spanish throw-in, okay, and then Spain takes complete full advantage of it, and then a, a Spanish player, I believe he's also, I believe he's a midfield, I'm going to check his position, okay, no, 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 he's, act, he's actually one of the forwards, he's actually the middle forward in this one, basically the, the forward, the forward attack that Spain had in this game in the formation is, is Firan Torres, and then, Sara and then uh, I believe this dude's name is Pablo Sa Pablo Sarabia. Yeah, it's, that's it, Pablo Sarabia. And also, Mikel Oriarzabal. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I mean, these very cool and Spanish names I mean some of them are just much more difficult to pronounce than others. But yes, Mikel Oriarzabal. 
found the back of the net to give the Spaniards a 1-0 lead in the 64th minute. In that particular moment, folks, oh, I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I mean, you know, and I have to be honest, I was watching this game with my mom, okay? And for those of you, if you've listened to the episode I did back, uh, uh, like, uh, earlier this year on the 1996 Euro after how France lost, and, you know, I was three years old, how my mom had to comfort me and take me to the park. (laughs) So I'll be honest, as soon as Spain scored, and and it's like this part part of the game, my mom was already beginning to try to calm me down. I mean, now that I'm like 28 years old and I'm, I'm, I was visiting my parents, I was helping out because you know uh, my mom actually had to had a wedding. You know, she was booked for a wedding. You know, I was helping you know her uh, finish her flowers and watching the game. So you no, know, I, I I enjoy you know going out helping my parents taking care of them. But anyway, so France scores. You know, and thankfully we were all done, so we were able to watch the game. So my mom just starts comforting me, and then I'm like, I'm trying to calm down, but I can't. Because, you know, like you guys know, when France loses, especially when it's a, in, in a competition like this, it hurts me. It hurts me big time, and it's hard for me to recover. But Kareem Benzema, Kareem Benzema found a way to allow me to, to keep my sanity for the time being. And yes, definitely for the time being. So Spain takes the lead. And even though, okay, even though Benzema's goal is clocked in at, at the 60, 66th minute, I would have said that this this goal was had to be between 60 to 90 seconds later. But man, was that goal an absolute golasso. I mean, I'm so, you know, I'm at a loss for words of just how impressive that fucking goal was. And y'all, y'all have to excuse the foul language, but, you know, the adrenaline is just kicking in big time. But Kareem Benzema just equalized, just absolutely incredible, in fucking credible. And I should mention the Spanish goalkeeper got his hands on it, but he could not keep the ball out. So <laughs> I gotta give the Spanish goalkeeper credit for even trying to make an effort, for even making the effort to try to save it. I mean that that took guts. That took guts. So that Spanish goalkeeper deserves praise. But unfortunately, there was no chance that ball was not going to go in. So there we go. Less than two minutes later, France immediately responds. Shades of the semifinal game against Belgium, although France did not respond immediately. I mean, France came from came from being 2 nothing down. But this game, a little similar, but France is down one nothing, and then France equalizes just like that. So this kind of reminded me of the semifinal game between France and Croatia in the 1998 World Cup. Although France equalized after trailing Croatia, France equalized in probably less than 30 seconds. Maybe I'm exaggerating. I mean, I, it felt like it was less than 30 seconds. But anyway, it's one to one. You know, and, <laughs> you know. And the funny part was, as soon as Spain scored, my dad even told me, "Yeah, it's probably game over." So that, so then my dad gets up to go wash his hands or or, or to go to go grab some water. And as soon as he comes back. I tell him France uh, France equalized, and he's like, "Oh my god!" I mean, he was actually sh- he was actually taken by surprise, and and he asked me who who equal who equalized, and I said, mm, "Kareem Benzema." He's like, "Of course, who else but Benzema, the best player, the best player for France?" I mean, my dad still gives me a hard time because I love Giroud, and you know, like I said, I've always loved Benzema, but I've okay, I'll, I'll just say it like this: I love Giroud as much as I, as as much as I love Benzema, because the truth of the matter is, I appreciate the hell out of both of them. There we go. 
So Benzema equalizing. I said to myself, okay, now we've got a game. But I told my I told my dad this. I think Spain's now probably under more pressure than France, but that is not a bad thing for Spain because Spain does better under pressure than France. France usually does not do well under pressure, but Spain, while Spain probably in the, because they're young, they have a young team, they might not be able to do as good. But you know what? Spain is just different different mindset, different mentality than France. That's for sure. So anyway. <clears throat> so the way, the way this game goes, you know, France is continually, continually, you know, trying to score. And now, and now France is really applying the pressure on, on the Spaniards. Spain is Spain's basically kind of showing signs of, you know, losing control. And, and France is now, now all, of a sudden, all of a sudden really turning the tables big time. And in the 80th minute, that's exactly what happened. Tio Hernandez gives, I mean, you know, let me say it like this. France is running down the field, okay? Tio Hernandez is handling the ball, evading the Spanish defense. Killing Mbappe breaks free, okay? Tio Hernandez gives him the ball, and Mbappe basically takes the ball, dribbles it, challenges the goalkeeper, and, and then beats the goalkeeper and finds the, the back of the net. <coughs> Excuse me. And I said, holy shit, France just took the fucking lead with 10 minutes to go. And, you know, and, and from the school, you know, my mom's my mom is already cheering. I said, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got to, number one, we, we got to wait. Number one, we have to wait till the goal is 100% confirmed. Number two, there's still 10 minutes left to play. And Spain is now pissed off. Spain has already been kicking our ass the entire game with their midfield and their attack and their dribbling and their ball possession. Yeah. Ten minutes is more than enough time for Spain, and not only ten minutes of regulation, but God knows how much how much time is going to be added in injury time. <laughs> so there could be a, there could be probably up to twenty minutes left in the game for all I know. <laughs> yeah, this game is nowhere near over, and, and 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 France could could easily choke the lead away just like that. And as much as it pains me to say, but that's the truth, the whole truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So this means they look at the replay. <coughs> Excuse me. They look at the replay, and I swear it does look though as though Mbappe was clearly offside. But the goal was nonetheless the goal was was ruled legitimate. The referee did not take the goal away. I mean, it was reviewed actually. As a matter of fact, I, I, the the VAR did it was reviewed via VAR, but it was not taken away. Not taken away. And I first I thought, and then I saw the replay. Huh? I think I know why. Because when Tio Hernandez passed the ball, a Spanish defender looked as though he made contact with the ball. If that's the case, then yeah, that's the reason why the goal was 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 ruled legitimate. That's why the goal counted. Because in this particular play, if if the opposing defender makes contact, then that's a live ball. That would look as though he failed to basically get into position. I mean, I've seen all these comments, you know, all these sources are saying that it's it's controversial. I mean, it's it's definitely controversial because I've been, I've tried to look for evidence on Twitter and YouTube as well, but they're not showing every angle. From that particular angle, from what we see on our, on our TV screen, it really looks as though the player made contact, but it's hard to tell because you know it it goes so quick. So we got to see the different angles, and we got to see it through slow motion. So. That's what I have to stick with. If the Spanish defender made contact with the ball, then the offside is ruled out. There's no offside. So, it's luck for France, and it's and it's a bit of misfortune on the Spaniards. 
But regardless, there was 10 minutes left. Well, at least 10 minutes left. Again, in injury time could have been an additional 20 minutes. So again, there could have been 20 more minutes left in the game for all I know. But now this is where I say, well, shit has just gone real. Shit has gone real now. Spain is going to inflict more pressure than it's ever done in this entire game. And that's what they did. But the French de the French defense just so resilient. You know, Hugo Lloris made several fantastic saves. I mean, Hugo Lloris just really... God, I mean, this dude really stepped up big time. Hugo Lloris made numerous saves. The French defense would, would basically get rid of the ball, clear the ball away. They would make some. They would intercept the ball and then dribble it away to keep it away from their goalkeeper. I mean, Spain was basically attempting to. I don't know how to say it. It's like whatever Spain was trying to do, France was just able to foil it at every turn. I guess the Spaniards were trying to frust were trying to fool and frustrate the French, but it turned out that the French refused to be fooled, and it turned out that the French the, the French defense frustrated the Spaniards big time. <laughs> And after the ten, after the ninety, the ninety minute mark hit, I saw an additional five minutes. I was like, "Oh shit!" Because then the the, Sp the Spanish attack is just going and going and going, and and basically, and the French defense, while they're being resilient, they're conceding corners, and that's that inflicts even more pressure. But the French defense would just get the ball away, and, and, and the Spanish players would just you know find themselves not in the right position. I mean. France just, you know, basically, they, uh, some might say, okay, if you want to say they got lucky in these 10 minutes, fine. But you know what? It was luck that, it, it was their own luck. France made their own luck. So France found their own way out. France played soccer. They played rock solid defense. They just had that mentality. I mean, you have to give the French credit for how the, the last, the last like 10 minutes and injury time went. Because Spain did not take their foot off the gas pedal. And France just did not, <laughs> did not look the other direction for one second because they knew that if they did, Spain would have equalized, and boom, that would have been the end of it. If they had equalized in that part of the game, <laughs> France would have collapsed. You, you, can, you can trust me on that. So France wins. As soon as the final whistle is blown, I just... <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, I just took such a huge sigh of relief. Took I took such a deep breath. I was like, holy shit. France are the Nations League champions. And man, was I happy. I was happy big time. <coughs> Excuse me, <sighs> man. And, and you know, and from these facts from this game, <clears throat> a couple of things that that's actually pretty interesting is that you know France is now two and zero when they eliminate Belgium in the semifinals. And here's something: check you know the fact that it was Karim Benzema and Kylian Mbappe that have been the difference makers in this game and the game against Belgium. Okay, but also let's not forget Theo Hernandez. He scored the game-winning goal against Belgium, but you know against Belgium when Karim Benzema scored the goal, Mbappe provided the assist. Okay, and at Benzema's goal in this game too, Mbappe provided the assist. So killing Mbappe and Karim Benzema are showing great chemistry. <laughs> so I, I gotta I gotta say, well, if that happens at Madrid, then we, then this is gonna be something huge, and hopefully this continues for France. If if Benzema and Mbappe. Such a dynamic duel for France, and this is this is gonna be something huge, I can tell you. So man, it, so I guess you know, and and Kylian Mbappe's case, you know, him, you know, you know, all that stuff about him considering retirement from the national team. I mean, based on the on his performances in the last two games, 
I mean, man. I mean, this dude has achieved redemption from Euro 2020. I can tell you that. But, but, but check this out. France is, I believe, now is actually 2-0 against Spain in a finals match. In 1984, France beat Spain to win the European Championship in that final. I believe that final was two was two zero, and today France won two to one. So France does have a bit of history with Spain. So yeah, so I guess so, so from time to time it, it has been France to get the better out of Spain. And another thing, of course, Antoine Griezmann has earned his one hundredth cap, and Karim Benzema was the Nations League final man of the match. So. That was pretty freaking huge. It's really a shame. It's really a shame that Varane, you know, that Varane got hurt, you know, because Varane is, is one of the you know one of the veterans and you know really been you know such you know big you know big time player for, for the national team. So, but this game really, I mean, you know, everybody still says that the Nations League is worthless. You know, look. It's competitive, and you know what? The final four were were, were four of, of, of the Europe. Of, excuse me. They were four of, of of Europe's top powerhouses: Italy, Belgium, Spain, and France. It was not easy for France. Let me tell you that. Uh, you know, and I know that I noticed that some of you loyal listeners have have been curious to know what I kind of refer the Nations League to, and this is actually going to make some of you laugh. But I say it like this: If Europe, if the European co- competition had a baby brother. The Nations League would be it. So I, I would kind of say the Nations League is the European Championship's baby brother. Because I kind of see the Nations League as as, as another European competition. As, an, as another European Championship competition. But again, you know, there's also the Nations League of the CONCACAF. I mean, the United States won that one, which was amazing. So it's good to add more competition. It, it, it really just, you know, attract, you know it, it keeps everything exciting. So, you know, they add another competition title. And, of course, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you all this. In the next few years or so, when this Nations League keeps going and going and going, people are then going to start taking it seriously because it's it's competition. It is serious competition. You, ha- I mean, France actually France was one of the top A groups, and you know they had to win their group and you know to make it there. So it was not easy for France to make it to the final. They had to fight hard. But what's interesting about this about this match is that when France won their group of the Nations League, which was against Portugal, Sweden, and Croatia, France beat Portugal. To win the group and, and to make it to the semifinals, so in this particular tournament, France eliminated the, the defending Nations League champions and they eliminated Belgium and they beat Spain. So yeah, this thing was so far from easy for France. So that wraps up basically the game of talk. So now the question is, where does France go from here? Well, France is in a bit of a predicament as far as World Cup qualifiers go. <clears throat> As I'm looking at the group right now, France has had three wins and three draws, okay? Ukraine won their game today, I believe. Yeah, they beat Finland. Actually, they beat Finland yesterday. And, and Ukraine is four, is four, is four points uh, below. And France only has two games left. Well, I think, I think Ukraine has like three, I believe. So... So that being said, you know, so where France goes from here is France has to win their next World Cup qualifying games, the next two. Like, they have to win it. Because, so, because if, if they can win it, I, I think that that assures them. That will, that will assure them of, uh, of topping the group. Yeah, Ukraine has, Ukraine has three games left to play, according to this. 
Or is it two? Hold on. Yeah, it's actually two. They have to play Bosnia and Herzegovina in both in both games. Well, well, actually, I think they have three. I mean, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I'm looking at this. It's, it says match day eight out of ten, but then, then it says ten out of ten. So where's game number nine? That's kind of fucking weird, but... <laughs> But if Ukraine if Ukraine manages to win their next three if Ukraine manages to go on, on a winning streak in their in their next games, you know like I said I mean that's gonna be bad for France so and France has two more World Cup qualifying matches left to play, and I'm looking at them France has to play Kazakhstan next month at home before finishing out on the road against Finland, and I do believe that both these games are winnable but France has to win those games, they have to win convincingly. Because France is at 12 points now, so they got to win so they can top the group. Because I want France to top the group. No playoff. I want France to top the group and secure qualification like that. That's what I expect. So France can enjoy the. So France can enjoy some of the time off. You know, the players will go back to domestic play. Hopefully, uh, N'Golo Conte and all the players that are hurt get better again. Because we need all the strength we can get. But hopefully, and as far as Deschamps goes, like I said, even though I've lost my religion with him. I really can't trust him. I don't have any confidence in him. You know what? If he turns things around and makes me eat my words, then fine. I mean, I'm not gonna go back on my word. I mean, because you know, once you know, say I've lost my religion. I mean, I I really don't think there's going. There's probably no going back. I mean, like I said, what after after the next World Cup, we need to make a change. Regardless, it's time for a change. So, I mean, so in Deschamps' case, I hope that he can finish out in style and leave with his head up. Because no matter what, Deschamps deserves massive respect, massive praise, because he helped France win the World Cup. And yes, despite the fact that I don't have any tr- I don't trust him. I don't have, okay, yeah, I don't trust him. I have very little confidence in him managing the national team. But I will still give him credit, because he deserves credit for helping France win this title, the Nations League title. So whether you like Deschamps or not, there's no denying he deserves credit too. So, but I can only hope that he can, that France can keep it alive, can keep keep it up. France got it together in these two games. They finally got their shit together. All I can say is this: keep your act together, keep it together for God's sake. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, Into the Net FC is available to you on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. And YouTube. Thank you very, very much for joining me this evening. And I will see y'all next time. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.